This is the Key to Authority podcast, episode number 52 with Kate Toon. Welcome to the Key to Authority podcast, where it is all about helping you unlock the secrets of becoming the go-to expert in your industry. And here is your host, Janish Pandya. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Key to Authority podcast. I'm your host, Janish Pandya, and this podcast is about helping you build and grow your authority so you can be recognized as the go-to expert in your industry. Becoming an authority and a go-to expert takes time and takes effort, and it doesn't happen overnight. And fortunately for you, that's what this podcast is about. We bring on guests that share with you the secrets, the strategies, the little things, the big things that you have to do in order to make sure that you become that authority. And it's that step-by-step process. It's one thing at a time that will help you become that authority. And such is today's episode and such is today's guest. And in this episode, we go back to one of the most discussed hot topics around online digital marketing, and that is SEO. I bring on an incredible guest who has worked in this field for quite a bit and knows the ins and outs. Though I haven't met her in person, by just looking at what she's doing in the space of SEO, I know she walks the talk and she knows what she's on about. The person I'm talking about is Kate Toon. Kate is an award-winning SEO copywriter and SEO consultant with almost two decades of experience in all things advertising, digital, and writing. She has worked with big brands such as Westpac, the RTA, Karash, and Kmart. And she's helped countless small businesses produce great content and improve their SEO. Kate is also the founder of the Clever Copywriting School and the Recipe of SEO Success eCourse, as well as a co-host on the Hot Copy podcast. In this episode, I talked to Kate about the key to do-it-yourself SEO. I believe that everyone who is in the online digital space should know at least the bits and pieces of basic SEO, the fundamentals, and get that correctly, and then work and build upon that foundation. Because without that, it will be very hard to build any strategy from content marketing to blogging to podcasting or anything. So you need to get the basics of SEO right, the fundamentals correct, then only can you build on. And that is what we go into details about with Kate. She talks about the fundamentals, she talks about the tools and strategies and techniques. She also tells us and shares with us how she got about doing it. And then we go into a little bit of content marketing and how that plays a role into this. And she gives a great tip at the very end of the episode. So make sure you listen to that. So without making you guys wait more, here's the interview with Kate Toon. Hey, Kate, welcome to the Key to Authority podcast. Um, not too sure how we connected, but I think it was the Pro Blogger Facebook group and then the We Are podcast group. I've been listening to your podcast and been hanging out with you on your periscopes and love what you do when you just last year, uh, just a couple of months ago, you did the uh, seven-day SEO challenge. Love taking part of it. So I thought, let's have you on the show get into the nitty-gritty behind the do-it-yourself SEO, and you've done an amazing job with the SEO recipe course. I thought it's perfect timing to pick your brains then. So welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you know, I've seen seen you around. You see the same names popping up again and again, and I've uh, listened to your podcast. So it's good to finally talk to each other. 
Yeah, and you're in Sydney, I'm in Perth, and amazing technology, we can still talk. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. So, Kate, how did your journey on becoming an authority in the SEO side of things start behind, like in terms of copywriting and things like that? You've been doing quite a few things. So where did this all start and what were you doing then? Um, I kind of got started, uh, yeah, as you said, through advertising. So I've worked in ad agencies um you know, all my career, big guys like Ogilvy and, and people like that. But then um, probably about, gosh, 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I don't know, I went to work for a company called advertising.com. And they, are, they serve up a lot of the ads on the internet. And uh, they were doing a lot of clever stuff around affiliate marketing and SEO and all that kind of stuff. So I kind of started learning about it then. Um, but I didn't really get stuck into it. It until I started my own business as a copywriter, which was about seven years ago. Um, and I came into the market as a copywriter and I Googled the word copywriter and there were millions and millions of other copywriters. And I kind of thought, gosh, you know, how on earth am I ever going to rank? How am I ever going to be found? How's everyone going to learn about my business? So I kind of took that knowledge that I'd learned at previous agencies and I applied it all to my own website, my own business. And I kind of learned on the job. Um, and I was pretty successful, uh, thankfully, and started to offer SEO services to clients, um, big banks and government agencies and councils and, you know, not just the copywriting side of things, which I was pretty, you know, um, had a reputation for, but I also started helping with the technical side of stuff as well. And then that kind of led into running workshops and that kind of led towards the e-course, which I now currently run so yeah kind of a long story <laughs> sorry that's all, that's all right like in terms of so what made you decide to jump the ship from that advertising.com job the good uh, yeah well i'd worked in agencies for a long time and although it is fun and you know exciting and and you know you get to do a lot of cool stuff um and drink a lot of beer uh <laughs> in your 20s that's all very appealing and, and fun uh, but as time went on and i kind of climbed climbed up the ladder and I was managing large teams of creative people and developers and producers. It's just a very stressful job. It, you know, there's lots of deadlines, lots of long hours. Um, and actually, um, the driving force for leaving was not my own volition. I've always wanted, I probably wanted to leave for about five years, but I was too scared. Um, and then eventually I got pregnant and I, I, I didn't want to be um, trying to work in advertising and have a small child because I knew that it would be a huge compromise either way and I'd stress myself out. So I just decided to opt out. I was about five months pregnant. I was contracting at a big agency and I just jumped ship with no job and no maternity pay and no money in the bank and uh, took the plunge. <laughs> so it was pretty scary, to be honest. So in terms of being scared, you've just jumped the ship. And so when you started out as a copywriter, what did you make sure that it worked for you? like so that you did get the clients you did get because it's a scary situation to be where there's no money you still have a baby coming yeah. and all that kind of thing so well i think this is i mean it's almost the methods i use are the, are the ones that i now teach and um, i so i looked around at who was already there and i you know sort of worked out what they were doing that was working for them i built myself a good website so um i learned how to code essentially not not hardcore coding because i use wordpress so a lot of it's done for you built myself a good website and then i started creating content and building backlinks and doing my local seo and social media and all the stuff 
that you've probably heard about um, already. But I did it in a you know in a, in a intelligent way. I prioritized it and I was consistent, and ultimately it's paid off. And now I probably rank in position one or two for about two or three hundred different keyword terms relating to copywriter. Um, and to be honest, it's been the backbone. That's how I built all my other businesses is off that one core website and the success that it's had, you know? And then in terms of that SEO, because SEO does take time. Like mm. people expect, uh, what do you call, quick results. Like they go and hire someone's like, yes, I want results or something like that. So what yeah. was that part of the SEO side of things in terms of a strategy that brought you the quick results or was was it quick or not? No, it, it definitely wasn't quick. It's definitely not something that happens overnight. And anybody who promises or guarantees, you know, we'll get you to the top spots, you know, in a matter of weeks, usually <laughs> they're doing that in a kind of dodgy way. And yes, you might get quick results, but they may not last and they actually might get you into trouble. They might get you um, blacklisted by Google and then you're in a whole heap of trouble. Um, so no, it was, it was a relatively slow process, maybe a year or, or two years. But what the analogy that I like to use is that SEO is like a big, heavy metal flywheel. I don't know if you, if you can envisage that, but in a big, you know, piece of machinery and it's a big cog that you have to get turning and the energy that it takes to get it started is, is a lot. You know, you do have to put the hours in and you do have to do all the things, do all the things. Um, but then once you've got that wheel turning, it doesn't take much to keep it going. So now that my SEO um, is established and I'm ranking well, you know, I'm not publishing blogs every day. I publish a blog, maybe blog post, maybe once a month. Um, you know, I'm not consciously going out there and building links. I get links when I get links and that's great. You know, so while there is a lot of effort in the first period, after a while, it just kind of evens out and it kind of is self-perpetuating. You, you need to sort of put a little bit of effort in, but not nearly as much as you do when you first start out. And in that regards, like that's that slow journey and it takes time. It's mm. you have to have that patience, I guess. So in terms of were you doing anything else apart from the SEO side when you had started? Yeah. Well, look, I think there's two ways to drive um, people to your business. You either pay for it by advertising, Google AdWords, Facebook ads, you know, adverts in magazines, direct mail pieces, let, letterbox drops, all that kind of stuff. So that's paid advertising or content marketing and SEO, which is, you know, the approach that I took. Um the great thing about paid advertising is you generally, you know, you pay your money, you get your eyeballs. But with SEO, you can put a lot of time and effort in and not see the results that you want to as quickly. But obviously, the thing with paid advertising is when you stop paying, the eyeballs <laughs> go away. But with SEO, the eyeballs kind of keep coming. So, you know, there's content that I created four years ago that's still driving a hefty amount of traffic to my site every single day. But in that early, in those early periods when, when I didn't have you know, I wasn't ranking and I didn't really want to pay for advertising because I didn't have the money. I really relied on my my existing network, which was pretty small, you know, so I did take the plunge and I emailed everybody I'd ever met and walked past in a corridor or, you know, heard of and said, hello, I have set up my own business and this is what I'm doing and I'd love to work with you. Um, and, you know, that generated some, some business. Um, I also was very price orientated so I kept my prices very low and I came up with packages appealing packages for my clients that I thought would lure them in and um, you know and obviously it was 
low cost at that point. And then over time, you can increase your rates, increase your rates. And as time went on, that network just grew. So, you know, you do a good job for Bob and then Bob tells Sue and then Sue tells Rita and then, you know, it, it grows that way. And then by the time that my SEO started working, which was great. I had that kind of referral network going and then I had the SEO as well, driving traffic. And yeah, it kind of all just rolled on from there, really. I wasn't much of a networker because I know that's often what people recommend is to get out there and meet your local business network. I'm a bit of a social hermit, so I never did much of that. But I did do a lot of digital networking, so I've always you know, being online and I'm very active and I try and interact with people, not out of a, really necessarily a business strategy, just because that's where I am, you know, so I enjoy interacting with people and commenting on their stuff and, you know, and that helped a lot as well, because then it gets your name out, gets your, your people remember who you are, because you've spoken to them. I'm doing fingers in the air now, you've spoken to them online, <laughs> you know. So tell me a bit more in terms of that networking, because you said you're not that much of a networking person. So because it is networking is key, like you do meet face to face, you are on top of people's mind and they remember you. And yeah. that's, I guess, the SEO is that off online version of it, because if people search for you and you're on top of the list, then they'll come to your website. <laughs> yeah, I think that's it. And I think, you know, what I lacked in the kind of physically going along and shaking hands with people and handing out business cards, I, I instead did online. So, you know, joining communities um, on Facebook and on Google Plus and on LinkedIn, um, you know, signing up to people's newsletters, um, reading people's blogs and leaving comments um, and studiously replying to comments that people leave on my own blog posts and on my social media and building up, you know, a group of people that are interested in you and that you so that you are top of mind. So, um, you know, in the same way as when you physically met someone and they remember you, you know, maybe the people who are following me on Twitter or whatever who I've interacted with, when someone says to them, oh, I need a copywriter, even though they've never met me, they might say, oh, well, I know Kate Toon. She's great. Helps that I've got a bit of a, a memorable name. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> that's been very useful. I hated that name as a child, but now it's <laughs> serving me well. You know, so there's not that many people competing for the name Kate Toon. So if I if someone does remember my name, then great, that's definitely covered. Um, but obviously, the truth about what SEO is all about in reality is um, helping people find you, people who want what you do but don't know that you do it. You know, so they're not searching for K2, they are just searching for copywriter or copywriter Sydney or website copywriter, and they don't know me at all. Um, and they're just looking for the best person and they're just trawling through the search results to try and find the best person. So that's where the DIY SEO comes in. Yeah. So let's get into right into that then. So, mm. Kate, what is the key to that do-it-yourself or DIY SEO? Well, I think that the core key to DIY SEO is finding a few sources of truth. I think one of the reasons people don't attempt DIY SEO is because they, there's just so much information and there's so much misinformation and everyone's saying different things and it can be really difficult to know what the right thing to do is. You know, you read one blog post and it says you need to be pushing articles live every day if you want any chance of SEO success. And then you read another one and it says, well, actually, that's not as important. Regularity is great, but it's, you're better off producing one great blog post a month then you are just pumping out, you know, 20 not so good ones. And it's difficult to know who to trust and what to believe. And then on top of that, if you're anything like me, 
you probably get five or six emails a day from people overseas saying, your website is terrible. We can guarantee you SEO results. <laughs> and you're like, is this true? I don't know. You know, do I believe this person? Or another issue might be that you've maybe used an SEO company. You've paid them a lot of money for month on month on month. You've never really understood what they were doing. And maybe it worked, maybe it didn't, but it just left the bad taste in your mouth. And you've come away thinking, I just hate the word SEO. I don't like hearing about SEO. I don't want anything to do with it. So I'm going to focus on something different. I'm going to do postcards and I'm going to shove them through people's letterbox because I just, SEO is overwhelming. So I think the key to DIY SEO is putting aside all the nonsense and all the blog posts you've read and what your cousin's hairdresser has told you and finding a few good sources of truth that you can rely on and then building up your knowledge. That's what I would say is the key because it's not rocket science. That's really <laughs> important. You know, it can seem like there's only some magic trick. There is no magic trick. It's not rocket science. Anybody can learn how to do SEO if you've got the time and the patience, just like anything else like design or accountancy or bookkeeping. You know, yes, you might not be a uber, uber, uber expert, but the point is that most businesses I see haven't even done the basics. It's not that they're not doing the advanced stuff. It's that they've not done the basics and anybody can learn the basics of SEO. Cool. I'd love to cover some of the basics and a little bit of advanced as well, because there will be audience who, is, who know the basics. So let's do that over the episode. But as you mentioned, the sources of information. So what are your top three or four or where do you learn your SEO side of things? Like they're the super truthful ones kind of thing. Like what they put out is really, really good and actually they know what they're talking about. Yeah, that's a really good question. So the people that I follow and the people that I kind of get my information from, um, number one would be Moz. So moz.com. I have a, um, I've signed up subscription to those guys. Um, they do a 30 day free trial. So highly recommend you try them out. So with Moz, it's, it's, it's more about the tools. I mean, there's a huge blog posts, uh, blog on there and there's a huge forum. And the kind of head dude there, Rand Fishkin, does regular videos on a Friday where he kind of tackles one particular SEO problem. So there's all that side of it. It's a really good source of information, but it's more the tools because the best source of information is your own website and trying things and seeing if they work. So, yeah, moz.com is, is, is my kind of number one. I also really like a guy called Neil Patel. He has a website called quicksprout.com. So quick as in fast and sprout as in Brussels sprout.com. Uh, he's really great. And another guy is Brian Dean. Um, he has a site called backlinko.com and he's all about driving links. So those are the guys that I kind of, you know, they're the blogs that I try and read. You know, the posts when they come through each week on the newsletter, I'm like, I'll try and at least read those because there's so many to read. And I also like Search Engine Land as a website. They're very good for giving you updates as to what Google's doing and algorithm changes and stuff like that. So those are my core ones. But I guess for me, as somebody who's helping other people, my core source of truth is definitely experimenting on my own websites. So trying stuff out and seeing what works and what doesn't work. So those are the four websites, Moz, Quicksprout, Backlinko, and Search Engine Land, and obviously your Moz. website. Yeah, and Moz, and Moz, yeah. Yeah. So now where you talked about the basic, at least that people should know, and they can easily apply it themselves. That's what we're talking about, the do-it-yourself SEO, because 
It's not rocket science. I've done it. You've done it. And a lot of other people. And it's just little tweaks and things like the headers and the things. So could we cover a little bit of that so that people can understand and how it plays? Because I know it's a little bit visual as well. It's hard to do it on a podcast, but. No, I, you know, I think <laughs> it, we can make a start. I mean, obviously it's a big subject and it's, you know, as I've said, it is kind of, I used to run basic SEO workshops and there was a whole eight hours of, of, of chatting and the course that I have is like, eight hours and heaps of videos and whatever. But I mean, I do think it comes down to some essential principles, so we could cover those off. Yep. Um, and I think one of my big issues with um, uh, small business sites, solopreneur sites, um, is that they haven't thought about the technical side of things. So they go straight to the content because they've heard the content is king thing. They've swallowed that idea whole, and then what they do is they leap off and start creating blog content and all that other good stuff. But they haven't made sure that their site is technically sound, um, I know many people install WordPress and then maybe they've heard of a plugin called Yoast SEO, which is probably the best known plugin. And they think, great, I've done. I've got my WordPress site. I was told by my developer that that's SEO friendly. I've installed a plugin. Therefore, I have done my SEO on the site. It's finished. <laughs> and unfortunately, it's not true. You know, there is a bit more to it than that. And I think the core areas that people fall down on are making sure their site is responsive. And not just that it works on mobiles, but that it works well, you know, that you've actually played around with your site and you've tried to do the things that you want your customers to do. Again, people will be like, oh, no, it looks good. And I'm like, have you actually tried to, you know, use your shopping cart from a mobile phone? It's not good. You know, it, it doesn't work. The buttons are too close together or whatever that may be. So responsiveness is a big thing. Speed is another thing. So a lot of the sites that I look at when people come on the course, you know, they're taking like 10 seconds to load, which in internet terms is, is forever. You know, people are going to leave your site and go to someone else's if it's taking that long. So, you know, working out ways to reduce the site speed and reduce the file size so that your site loads really, really quickly. Um, so that's another thing. And then just crawlability. So again, people, you know, maybe they installed Yoast and they checked a few checkboxes or maybe their site was built by a developer and the developer just forgot to put in a few files that were essential or accidentally blocked a few things and the site isn't crawlable. And if the site isn't crawlable, well, then Google can't index it. It can't add the pages to its index. So those are the common tech problems I see with sites. Those are all basics that, you know, people don't cover off. Um, and if you don't have that solid foundation, a really solid, technically well-built site, you can blog till you're blue in the face and it won't make a line bit of difference. Um, so, yeah, I think those are some basics of so, priority. In terms of responsiveness, again, if for those non-technical people, that's when like your website looks good and works good on any screen side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, and as Kate mentioned, if you have a look at your mobile, whether you can play with the buttons and it all makes sense. Now, the speed, I guess, is more the loading side of things. So is there any particular sites that you use to check the speed and to yeah. get recommendations? I'll share some links with you at the end of the podcast so you can maybe put them in your show notes. But Absolutely. again, Google provides all these tools free of charge <laughs> for you to look. So there's a great little mobile friendliness test that you can do. There's a great site speed test you can do. Um, and there's a, you can use Google Webmasters, which is now called Google Search Console, to check things like crawlability. Um, so, yeah, you know, all those tools are freely avail available. I guess the only issue comes is 
it's that knowledge thing again. You know, great, I've got a report that tells me that my site isn't responsive. What do I do next? Who do I trust? How do I fix it? You know, and I think that's where people struggle. And it's finding so those sources of truth, but as well some trustworthy people that you have your business's best interests at heart who are going to give you their honest opinion. You know, they're not just in there to kind of earn a fast buck. So someone will come back to you and say, well, here's how I can fix that responsive issue. And this is what it's going to cost. And this is the result. And you feel good and you trust them. And that's, I think, another issue that lots of businesses have, you know, that they just don't know what to ask for and they put their trust in the hands of the developers and maybe that hasn't worked out great for them in the past, you know? So it's, it's very, it is hard. It's hard um, to, you know, to know what to do and to know who to believe and who to trust. <laughs> Poor people. <laughs> so Kate, in terms of finding resources and things like, I know the, uh, you have a good course in depth course about this. So do you have, do you cover this kind of topics and more in depth and more detailed tutorials in that course or can they find on your normal blog? Yeah, I mean, I think, look, at the end of the day, everything is out there on the internet. Um, so if you were to Google, you know, how to fix my site speed and you wanted to invest the time going through the doc, the documents and the videos that you find, then of course, you know, you could, you could do that. But I guess the point of any course or any course is that somebody else has gone to the trouble of compiling all that information, getting rid of the extraneous bits and walking you through it in a really easy to understand way. So, you know, there is a, Probably nothing on my course that isn't somewhere on the internet. I guess it's more about the fact that the course steps you through it in a really logical and easy to understand way. And you've got somebody there who can answer your questions, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the thing, like it's more the organized information that's available to buy rather than scattered. Yeah. Like with your um, podcast workshops, you know, at the end of the day, Obviously, one could go out and find that information, but it's so much easier to kind of sit there for a couple of hours and be, have it explained to you. And, um, you know, at the, at that that's the benefit. So it's like yeah. someone's done all the hard work for you. Absolutely. <laughs> all the mistakes so that you don't have to make the same mistakes. Yeah. So now moving on from that technical side of things, the responsive, the speed, then the crawlability. And we do talk about technical SEO in one of the episodes with Matt Lynch, so people can listen to that. So what about the other basic, the content side of things, the, the on-page yeah. and off-page stuff? Where does yeah. that come in? I mean, I think that's that's the kind of the next step is to be really clear about, you know, who your target audience is and what sort of things they're typing into Google. Um, and, you know, as I said, we have a whole week in the course of thinking about keyword research and trying to find niche keywords and trying to, you know, make sure that you pick keywords that have traffic behind them. Anybody can get you to number one for a keyword that no one's typing into Google. You <laughs> want to find keywords that have both, that are both not too competitive, but also have traffic behind them. But also I think it's important to say that things have moved on a little bit from just exact match keywords. You know, like if I don't use this exact phrase at these exact places, then I'm not going to rank. You know, Google's got a lot better at understanding the context of what you're writing and looking for words around what you've written. Um, and the example that I always like to use is if you head to Google right now, if you're on a computer and you type in um, that funny movie that takes the mick out of Star Trek movies, um, and you type something like that into Google, it will come back with the movie Galaxy Quest, 
which is that great movie about, which is a bit of a mockery of Star Trek. It's a cool movie if you haven't seen it. But what I mean by that is I didn't use the words Galaxy Quest in my query. But Google's intelligent enough to say, well, all those other words appear in this content. So we reckon that this is what the user is looking for. So while I do cover off keyword research and quite extensively in the course, I also tell my students to use common sense and to just focus on writing really rich, good, engaging content rather than trying to shoehorn a particular keyword phrase into the content again and again and again, because it never really worked. It never did work, but people thought it did. And they talk about keyword density and all that kind of stuff. It was never really a thing, but it's definitely not a thing now. (laughs) (laughs) So having that kind of a content strategy where you are actually engaging with and you uh, like with the audience and you create really, really good content with the podcast, with the blogs. So how do you structure all that? Like in terms of do you focus on a specific topic so that you can rank higher for those keywords or you just go everything and anything kind of thing? Well, look, I mean, I do think focus is good. So, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, if you're in a particular business sector, whether you want to kind of try and own that business sector. So, for example, for me, that would be copywriter, copywriting. I think, you know, you need to think about localization, whether you have a shop front or not. Um, you know, people often will type in a location after the core keyword. So copywriter in Sydney, um, you know, because maybe they want to meet that copywriter and they're in Sydney. So um, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to have a, a physical address, but, you know, maybe you'll do some content around those keyword phrases. And then I think you move down into industries, you know, so what, like what sort of people do you help? Um, what industries are they from? So in my example, again, you know, a financial copywriter, a legal copywriter. And then you might talk about the types of things that you do. Um, so for me, for example, I would be doing website copywriting, blog copywriting. So you can already see even in that, if you kind of expand that out to all the industries, all the service, all the locations, well, there's hundreds of keywords already. And really, you can only kind of optimize each page well for one keyword phrase and a few synonyms. So each time you come up with a new phrase that's different enough from all your other phrases, well, there's a new piece of content. But also another way to look at it is to really, as you said, think about what your customers want and answer customer questions. So a lot of the content that I produce answers a specific question, like how much should I charge for a press release? How do I write a blog post? You know, how do I write a video script? So they are answering specific questions. They're very focused. And then if someone types in that question, because kind of that's the way people use Google these days is, you know, they don't type in single word, single word, single word. They'll type in full questions like how do I write a video script? you know, for a financial services company. And if you've got a piece of content that completely answers that question, well, then, you know, you've ticked all the boxes um, and you've, you've got your ranking as well. So you've, you've pleased the Google gods and the humans at the same time. <laughs> That's good to please all of the gods, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is, it is. So, Kate, in regards to now we've covered a little bit of technical and on like, within your sphere of influence that's your website that's the on page creating that blog creating that copy for the about page and things like that targeting those specific keywords now what about outside that like the backlinks and the off-page stuff 
This is great. So, I mean, this the structure that we're going through here is the exact structure of the course and the exact order <laughs> of priority as well. So, you know, once you've got a technically sound site, um, you've thought about your audience and kind of what sort of phrases you want to target. You've written some content around that 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 those phrases. Well, the next thing to do is try and drive traffic and build your authority, um, and that's as you said, done through backlinks. And these days, we don't really talk about building backlinks. We talk more about earning backlinks, which is a lovely idea that you'll just produce a piece of content so great that people will link to it without you even having to ask them, which is wonderful. Wouldn't that be great if that happened? And of course, it doesn't. <laughs> um, so there are ways of, 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 you know, building backlinks in the old school way. You know, there are some safe places to drive backlinks from, such some directories and places like that. Guess Guest blogging is fine um, as long as you don't do it aggressively and as long as the content is is of good quality and relevant to your audience. So, you know, writing content for other people's websites that drives links back to yours, that's great. Uh, as are press releases, if they are really newsworthy and they are going out to real media companies, not just press release banks and directories on the web. So all those are fine tactics. And I guess one of the big tactics that um, Brian Dean from Backlinko focuses on a lot is uh, kind of outreach to other sites. And he does it in a number of clever ways. He finds broken links on their sites and, and offers them alternative content on his own site that they could link to. Or he even just, you know, says, look, I produced this fantastic ebook um, that I think your readers would be really interested in. Would you be willing to link to it? And, you know, some people will say no, but some people will say yes. Um, and he, he's, you know, he's very good at sort of helping people take that approach. Um, so, you know, you're, yes, you're earning links, but you're just prompting people a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, you're not, uh, forcing them and you're not saying you're going to pay them and you're not begging them. You're just saying, Hey, look, I, I saw that you posted this great piece of content about, Piglet jumpers, well, look, I've written this guide to piglet jumpers and you might want to link to it. And you're not pressuring them. People might link to it. They might not. So, yeah, that's another way of building links. So there are ways to still build back links legitimately. It is just getting a bit harder. So, Kate, now we've covered the technical, we've covered the on-page, we've covered the backlinks and generating, that's the off-page SEO so what's the next steps? Is that now move into the advanced sort of strategies or where does it go next? Yeah, I think, I think it, it's not necessarily advanced in terms of technically advanced or intellectually advanced. I think it's more just about doing more and doing better. So, you know, you're a business or a solopreneur, you produce a blog post and, you know, you'll do the standard things that everyone does when they've made a blog post. You know, they share it on Facebook, they share it on Twitter, um, maybe they try and share it in a group. Um, and if they have an email newsletter, maybe they send it out in that. And then, you know, it's like, we're done. What else can we do? <laughs> We've run out of ideas. So I think the next step with SEO is to kind of try and think of new ways to get your content out there or to get people to your site. So it's about being inventive. Um, and on the course, I call it like supercharging your content. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's about making the content that you've got richer. So not just relying on editorial blog post style articles, you know, just words. It's trying to in, embed, you know, some rich media in there. So for example, like podcasts as, as, as we both do or videos or maybe creating some really great memes or infographics or how to guides or ebooks. 
Um, and then thinking about different ways of sharing that same piece of content. So instead of just a status update on Facebook, you know, maybe you create a series of memes that you share on Instagram and then you embed those Instagram memes in your post. Or maybe you record a little video to camera um, that is your blog post. You know, you vlog, um, video blog rather than just editorial blog. And therefore, you've got a video that you can put on YouTube. You can embed that video on Facebook. You can do a transcript of that video as your blog post. You can create mini clips of it, make them into animated GIFs. You know, you just, you're basically just take, trying to make that one piece of content work a whole lot harder. So as I said at the beginning, instead of maybe writing 10 mediocre editorial blog posts, you produce one killer piece of content that's so awesome that it keeps your social media and traffic coming to your site for weeks and months, not just days. So that would be one kind of, as I said, it's not an advanced tactic. It's just a a more aggressive way (laughs) of attacking content. Um, Another thing I think that's very much overlooked is repurposing old content. So rather than just keep on pumping out blog posts every week um, when you've really run out of ideas, it's going back to anything that you've already published and seeing if you can make it better, if you combine it, combine a couple of posts together and make more of a guide, you know, um, just trying to make your existing content still work for you and resharing old content. So for example, I've just gone through the 200 blog posts on my site and I've updated all of them, you know, new graphics, updated the facts and the figures. Um, and then I can reshare all of them and I'm not producing any new content. I'm just sharing old content, but you know, people haven't seen it. So it's new to them. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. So those are a couple of kind of, extra things you can do. And then I think, you know, there are some more advanced things around backlink driving. And I think, you know, I touched on some of those um, already when I talked about Brian Dean and and his broken link um, strategies, you know, going out and finding broken links on other people's websites and saying and creating content that that link could go to and then approaching that website and saying, hey, you've got a broken link. And if you're when you're fixing it, why don't you point it at this one? I mean, there's a whole heap of advanced stuff that you can do. And my course that I run, it doesn't go to that top, top next level. You know, this is a beginner's course. It's getting the basics set up. And I think, you know, people start the course and they always say things like, oh, you know, I'm I'm already doing all this stuff. There's not going to be anything here that I'm not doing. But um, the truth is that most people aren't even doing the basics, you know, and, and even with the really advanced stuff, I don't do a lot of the advanced stuff and I don't need to because I'm already ranking. So, you know, I think that's the thing that there are super advanced strategies, but a lot of small businesses and solopreneurs, they just don't need to get there. The people who need that kind of strategy are Commonwealth Bank, who's competing with NAB, you know, they need to pull some serious tricks out of their bag. <laughs> you and I, you and I, you know, generally, there's not a huge amount of competition for what we're doing. We just need to get the basics right and we'll be pretty good. You know, we don't have a team of 8,000 people that we need to drive traffic to and conversions for we just want to get a reasonable amount of conversions to make a reasonable living you know and that is covered by the basics not by the advanced stuff yeah and that's what that that those are the fundamentals and even the advanced stuff would need the basics to be covered if people actually want to look into any advanced things i think that's it and i think as as you put it so well there you know 
People are, you know, thinking, oh, there must be some magic trick that I can do in some super advanced tactic that's going to make all the difference. And it isn't. The thing that makes the difference is doing the hard yakka, you know, making your sites well sound, going after realistic keywords, optimizing your content well, creating content that answers customer questions, making it rich, making it enjoyable, and then trying to build just even a couple of backlinks to each piece of content would be great, you know, and it's that stuff that people don't do. Um, and then they're like, what am I ranking? And it's like, you just need to do the boring stuff. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) There's no other way around it. (laughs) There's no other way around it, you know, and if you don't want to do it, that's fine. My husband, for example, has a, has a business and he just doesn't want to write blog posts. He doesn't want to do any of this stuff. So he just pays for Google ads and that works for him. But you know, he, he, he pays a certain amount of money every month. You either, you've got to choose your way that you want to do it. SEO isn't for everybody, you know, and I think that's an important decision to make. If you're, if, if you are going to take the DIY approach, there will be work to do. Um, you can outsource it to an agency, but then you pay them top dollar, you know, and a good SEO agency will be charging you a grand, grand and a half, two, three, four a month, you know. So just like everything when you're running your own business, you need to decide what you're going to do yourself and what you're going to outsource. So I outsource my accountancy, my bookkeeping, all that stuff. I'm just not interested. But I do a bit of my own design, my own development, because um, I enjoy that. And it, I think that's an important decision to make. It, you know, it might not be right for you. Awesome. And that's the thing. That's Those are things like some people love it. Like I love doing the technical bits and stuff yeah. behind mine. And we're just talking earlier. You love doing the website yourself. But sometimes it gets a little bit too hands. So you get someone else to help you out. And there's nothing wrong in that. No, not at all. And I think the thing is... If you have a bit of knowledge and you take the time to learn the basics, it makes you so much more confident when you do decide to outsource because you know what you're talking about. Because I think that's one of the biggest things with SEO is that you just feel like you're an idiot. You feel like I don't get it. And someone comes back and says some bit of jargony gobbledygook to you and you suddenly feel flawed and you don't know where to go. So the education side of it, I think, is it's not necessarily because you're going to end up doing every single bit of it yourself. It's to give you confidence, you know, to give you confidence to make good decisions and to know who to trust and who not to trust. And then back to that original point that you asked me, you know, what's the key to SEO? It's it's having sources of trust and feeling confident about the decisions you're making. That's the key to DIY SEO. Awesome. And that wraps pretty much the whole SEO bubble sort of things, I guess, where it's not rocket science but it's something you can learn and you can do it yourself and if you need a hand you go for those trusted sources mm-hmm. and your course is a great example for that. so Kate you mentioned those resources and things that you had mentioned so apart from those four Moz, Quick Sprout, Backlink Hub and Search Engine Land is there any other things like tools and stuff that you use that are free to use or paid ones or yeah, I'll give you some links to put in your show notes. But I mean, I think it's always good to leave people with kind of like one good action mm. end of listening to something like this. And that's uh, what I was going to ask next after the tools. <laughs> uh, well, I think it's the same thing for me. It's, it's, a, it's both a tool and, and one action. I think that every business should go out right now and make sure that they're set up with Google Search Console. So, you know, take the time to register your business, to verify your business. It's very straightforward. If you struggle to do it, um, you know, it's something that would take a developer 10 or 15 minutes. It's not a big job at all. 
make sure your site is on there and then just take some time to play around in Google Search Console because a lot of the things we've talked about today, so things like speed, responsiveness, other things like broken links, crawlability, all that good stuff is all in Google Search Console and it's all entirely free. So that would be my one top tip and my all the tools that I use on a regular basis are all in there. So it's kind of like one top tip and tools all in one. <laughs> and it's free. So it's and free. and Google knows that it knows what they're doing. So you know that it's also trustworthy and it will yeah. tell you the right things back. <laughs> yeah, Google Google is the ultimate source of truth on Google, I guess. <laughs> not, I mean, obviously they don't reveal everything that they're doing, but they give you a good steer. It's just that people don't take the time to look at the steer that they're being given. You know. So uh, how can our audience get in touch with you, find out more about the course and what else you're doing online and obviously the podcast? Well, you know what they can do? They can Google me because I practice <laughs> really well. No, um, Kate, my name is Kate Toon, so, you know, any any social media and that's kind of where you'll find me. But one thing that any of the listeners might be interested in is I do run a 10-day SEO challenge um, and it starts again in January and, again, that's free. Um, and what it is, is it t- takes you through some of the things we've talked about today. So like 10 basic, basic steps. Each day has a very actionable thing that you can do to improve your SEO. And it covers off some of the stuff you've asked me about today, Janish, like keywords and speed and Google webmasters and repurposing content. And, you know, and it's each task only takes about half an hour. So you can kind of at the end of that 10 days feel, right, I've actually achieved something. Um, and for some people, it's the foundation, the first step to taking the full course. But many people just do the 10 days and just feel good about doing that. And I love that. I've got a Facebook group for that challenge. And, you know, there's heaps of people in there and they're just picking up what knowledge they can without having to pay for anything at all, which is great. Yep. And it's free. So why not? So yeah. the next one's starting in 25th of Jan. So make sure you guys have a look out for that. But also check out Kate's website. She has amazing blogs and things that do go in depth, uh, details of certain things we talked about. Uh, Kate, before we finish off, one last quick tip that we haven't covered. Last words you want to leave the audience with. Oh gosh, I think I've covered so much already. Last <laughs> tip. I'm going to pick a completely random one uh, that has nothing to do with anything we've talked about. And it would be to make sure that when you are uploading images onto your website, that you give them sensible names so you don't call them things like image175.jpg. <laughs> you call them something relevant and you try and smush them down to the lowest possible file size. So if you type into Google smushing tools or image smushing, you'll find lots of free software that helps you reduce the file size of your images without losing the quality. So that's my final tip. And then I really have run out of tips for today, Jenish. Gosh, you've squeezed me so hard. <laughs> wow. That sounds bad, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I really, really enjoyed the chat, Kate, and thanks for the time. Uh, also, the practical tips, especially the image one, but not only that, the backlinks and things, because those are things that people do miss out, even though they know they're not doing it. So really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for the chat. Cheers. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Janice. Bye. So as you heard it from Kate, SEO is like a big, heavy flywheel. Once you've got it turning... It will keep up its momentum and you'll only have to push it a little bit now and then and keep that working for you and keep that moving for you and bringing in that consistent business and leads and sales to your business. So make sure you start investing time 
in learning the basics, in learning the fundamentals and applying that, especially for the SEO. And if you are new, this is the best place to start at. And if you already have a website or a blog, make sure you look into the things that we talked about in today's episode and check out Kate's course, The Recipe of SEO Success. For today's action, set up your website on Google Search Console and play around a little bit. Search around on YouTube for some training videos around the Search Console if you feel a bit lost. Set it up, check out the speed, the crawling, and any errors and things you can find around your website and go about fixing them. And once you've got that, you would have done a lot of work on getting the website correct so that Google can read it. So make sure you don't ignore that. So go check out Google Search Console and implement that. To find out more about Kate, go to her website, katetooncopywriter.com.au. From there, you'll be able to find the blog article she has written. Uh, You'll be able to find out what else she does in terms of the copywriting space and also find out about and her e-course, The Recipe for SEO Success. So check those things out and check the resources and tools she mentioned. To find all those links and other things talked about in today's show, go to keytoauthority.com slash ep052. That is keytoauthority.com slash ep052 for the show notes. Till I talk to you next, keep working on and keep improving those search engine results for your business. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to the Key to Authority podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and share at www.keytoauthority.com. We'll see you next time.